Welcome to another episode of the Cofields Concepts Podcast, where I give you all the game on how to make more money, pay less taxes, and build your own business. Let's go! Hey guys, welcome to episode 10 of the Cofields Concepts Podcast. And during today's episode, we're going to be discussing the greatest financial myths in the black community. Today is February 28th. It's the last day of Black History Month. So I want to get this podcast out today and really hit on this topic because I am so excited to discuss today's episode because this is this is a topic that I feel so, so, so strongly about. And the reason is because I grew up, um, as most of you may know, I grew up on the south side of Chicago in a very black, very impoverished area on the south side and this is a topic that I can more than relate to and it's crazy because I had this topic written down right I had this topic written down to do on my show deck but I didn't know when I wanted to address it but then one of my favorite podcast shows um, earn your leisure and guys if you haven't heard of or checked out on your leisure podcast please go check them out two amazing uh, African-American males they're doing amazing things but the point is they went on the breakfast club and discussed this very topic. And like, literally I got 15 DMS of the snippet saying like, bro, you have to address this topic. Like we need to hear this from you. So, um, I decided to push it up and, uh, discuss it on today's episode. And it's the last day of black history month again. So it seems fitting, but, but before we get into uh, the discussion for the day, you know, I love to give you all a quick update on what's going on with me. So update number one is that I will be releasing an ebook next month. Super, super excited about this. Um, the ebook is going to be called Tax-Free Living Ebook, and it's going to be 200 plus deduct tax deductions that can save you over $20,000. Now, it should be going out uh, mid to late March. Um, if, you're, if you're part of my newsletter or you on my email list, you'll be first to know and you'll get first on discounted prices. So if, you ha- if you're not on my email list, um, click the link in the show notes to um, get on my email list so you can get that. But I'm super excited about uh, this ebook coming out next month. I think it's going to help a lot of people. Um, update number two is that um, I was, um, my, my financial education website, Cofields Concepts was recognized by Money Under 30. And if you haven't heard of Money Under 30, it's a huge, huge financial education website with over a million, um, monthly visitors. It's ridiculous, but they rated Cofields Concepts as far as education a financial education platform. And they gave us a 9.7 out of 10 guys, a 9.7 out of 10 for um, one of the best financial education resources for money advice, tax advice, business advice. So I was so, so thrilled about that. Um, So that's update number two. So if you want to go check that out, I'll also link to that article in the show notes. And uh, update number three is, um, you know, thanks to you all. uh, I recently checked my uh, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We have over 40 five-star reviews, which I think is just crazy. Um, So I decided to create a goal of trying to get over 100 five-star reviews by April 15th, which is the end of tax season. Um, So 
if you will, if you think I've, this podcast has gave you any joy, has gave you any education, has gave you any value, please pause it right now. Go to Apple Podcasts and give it a five star review. And guys, if we can get over a hundred five star uh, ratings or five star reviews, I will really, really debate on. Well, I'll, I'll really, really try to do three podcast episodes a month. Okay, uh, I keep getting DMs about people wanting more episodes per month. I really want to get to a weekly cycle, but I don't want to over promise and under deliver. So. But if you all get, uh, are able to, go, uh, to pause the video, go to Apple Podcasts and get us to 100 five-star um, ratings before April 15th, I will push to three podcast episodes a month. I said it here. You heard it here first. So please go do that if you haven't already done so. But without further ado, let's get right into today's episode. So what are the greatest financial myths in the black community. Um, and I want to give you guys a heads up. This is going to be a longer episode um, because I'm so passionate about this topic. I have so much to say. So bear with me. This is going to be a longer episode. Um, and you might like it. So if you like longer episodes, let me know. But this is definitely going to be a longer episode. So before we get into the what I think what I think are the greatest myths, I want to just give an overview of this of uh, of, of 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 this topic and like why I think there are a lot of financial myths in the black community. So again, I grew up in the South side of Chicago, nine of us in one home, like didn't have that much money. And, and I think a lot in the black community, at least we have, and we're so used to having a poverty mindset that it almost becomes normal. Like one of, one of the things I realized growing up as a black kid in, and in, in poverty in Chicago is that being poor or not, or being low income was kind of expected, right? It was kind of like, okay among your peers because everybody around you was impoverished and and that really sucked and it really takes a toll because you know you get to this place of complacency and thinking that poverty is okay when everybody around you is impoverished so that was a huge thing for me and uh, one of my favorite motivational speakers Jim Rohn has this quote that you know I think is really profound and it says poor thinking habits keep most people poor so a lot of people in the black community are stuck in poverty because their mindset is set that poverty is okay. So um, I really think that, you know, one of the th- things we need to do is kind of get away from thinking that being impoverished is okay and get out of these poor thinking habits. Um, so I really want to set the tone with just saying that before we get into the, the, the myths, because until you move from a poverty mindset to an abundance mindset, you can't even comprehend some of the things that we're going to discuss today. So um, that's number one. And I think that we all have to play a part in ending generational poverty and building and ge- making generational wealth more common in the black community. And, 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 and for me, like ending generational poverty from my family starts with me. Like I put that on my back. I put that on my shoulders and I've taken on that responsibility. Like nobody in my family after me or currently will be, um, impoverished or not have access to generational wealth or generational knowledge. And I put that on my back and it starts with me. And I think it starts with all of us. So um, we all need to play our part in making generational wealth among the black community possible. Um, so uh, let's, let's, let's make that up. Let's make that a mantra and let's, let's do that. So um, now that I kind of set, set the tone, I want to move into, I have what, one, two, three, four, five myths. Yeah. I have five myths. So let's go right into myth number one. And myth number one, uh, in uh, financial myth number one in the black community that I see often is this myth that money is the roots of all 
evil. Okay, I know that a lot of you all heard this as kids, like, you know, money is evil, don't chase money. Like, if somebody got money, they probably stole it, right? Like, and it's this mindset that money is the root of all evil. It really stops us early on as children to not want to seek money or not think that we can seek money because we're taught that money is the root of all evil. And I want to debunk this myth by just letting you all know what money actually is. And money is nothing more than a tool that gives you options. Okay. Money is again, nothing more than a tool that gives you options. And, um, my, uh, uh, one of my favorite motivational speakers outside of Jim Rohn is Tony Robbins. And Tony Robbins had this amazing uh, quote that just said, money only makes you more of what you already are. So if you're already an evil person, if you're already a mean person and you have more money, money will just amplify the mean person that you are. And on the contrary, if you're a nice person, you're a contributing person, you're a giving person, more money is going to make you more of a giver. It's going to make you more of a contributor, right? It's going to make you more of a good person. So all, so all money is is a tool. And the more you accumulate, it helps you um, pronounce more of who you are. So we need to get away from this notion that money is evil. Money is simply a tool and an amplifier of who you already are. So for me, I believe that I'm a kind, generous, giving person. So I want to make a lot of money because I want to give a lot more. I want to make more of an impact. The more money I make, the more money I can give, the more money I can put into my financial education platform to teach. Like I, Money is a goal for me, but it's a, it's a goal underlying a bigger goal of making an impact and really changing the world. So money is not evil. Um, and, we, and as a black community, we need to get away from the myth that money is the root of all evil. Um, so that's myth number one. OK, myth number two is that the harder uh, the myth, uh, the myth is that the harder you work, the more money you'll have. Right. The, the harder you work, the more money you'll have, the more money you'll make. And for me, so my dad was a construction worker. My dad all his life was a man that worked with his hands. And he's always coming to the house and say, son, you know, work hard and, 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 and you'll make enough money to take care of your family, right? And I always believed the things that my father said. And I really believed that he thought that working harder and working longer meant that you would ultimately make more money. But for me, as I became more of an adult and I started to learn, I really started to disagree with that notion. And what I mean by that is I believe that you should work hard, but you should first work smart. Okay. So I believe that working, working smarter can make you more money versus working harder. And a great example of that is, um, so when I was in high school, right. Um, I, I was always very smart. Now I was lazy. I was bad <laughs> when I was in high school, but I was always very smart. And, um, I never forget, like my freshman year of high school, like all my friends would start struggling in our first math class. And um, I think this is probably about it's not sophomore year, anyway. But all my friends were studying, uh, all my friends were struggling in, their, in, in our first math class. And uh, I remember the class was very easy for me. And I wanted money so I could save money for a car and stuff like that, like any 15, 16 year old kid wants to do. And I said, hey guys, like since we all have the same homework, just pay me to do your homework. I'll do each of you all's homeworks for like, you know, $50 a pop. And then you can go home and go to work because like most of my friends had jobs because again, we didn't have that much money. So we had to work at the school. And I was like, I'll just do you all's homework. And so I was bringing in like $500 every two weeks or something like that, right? Doing people's homework. And they were going to work long hours and making barely $500 every 
every uh every paycheck right i was you know i was making i was probably about 500 dollars a week and they were probably bringing in less than that every two weeks and guys we had the same homework so i would change the the um, formula to get to the answer but like dude once i did my homework i did all theirs in less than an hour so i was making like 500 dollars an hour while they were making 500 dollars every two weeks so i learned early on that yeah you should work hard but you should first work smart so i think that as a black community we need to get away from you know having two jobs and working not 80 hour weeks if you know and if you have to that's cool but you need to take a step back and think is there a smarter way to do this right should not think of working smart before working hard right so that is a big myth in the black community that i think that we should get away from and the second part about this myth of of working hard for money is that that is only the first half of it right the bigger piece is that we need to start um not just working hard for money, but making our money work hard for us, right? So we were taught, like, work hard for your money, but that was it, right? They didn't give us any advice to, of what to do after we got the money, right? And the bigger part of working hard for your money is making your money work hard for you. So what do I mean by that? I mean by after you make money, you need to be investing that money so it can work hard for you. And the best way I could describe this is... It's a paint you all a picture. So the way I look at money, I look at every dollar as a little minion, right? As a little worker. And I know that I worked hard for each of these little minions in each of these little dollars. And they better work hard for me, right? I refuse to work hard for my money and just watch it sit in my drawer or my bank account and be lazy, right? I am going to make it go to work for me. So we need to get get into this notion as a black community to understand that once we make the money, that's only half the battle. Now it's time to start going to make our, to start making our money, money work for us. Now, whether that's investing in stocks, whether that's investing in real estate, whether that's investing in cryptocurrency, whether that's investing in a business, it better be investing in something because I, I personally refuse to work hard for my money and not let it work hard for me. And I want you all to adopt this same mindset, especially you all that, who are like blue collar workers who literally work with your hands or or stand on your feet. You know, the nurses out there that stand on their feet for 12 hours a day. You need to refuse to let your money be lazy because you are literally like physically working hard for your money. So you need to make your money work hard for you. And I really want to bring that point home. I really want to stress that because I feel like if the, if us as a black community to can just adopt this simple lesson of making our money work harder for it than we work for then the, making our money work harder for us than we work for it it will literally shift the generational um the generational poverty line and and generational wealth in favor of the black community right um so i really want to push that point home we want to first work smart and for our money, and then we can work hard, right? Work smart first, then work hard. But moreover, after we get the money in our possession, we need to make the money work hard for us. So that is myth number two. So now on to <laughs> myth number three, which for me is kind of funny, but it's it's still so crazy true in today's age. And the myth is that, uh, myth number three is that we're taught to save our money 
uh, under a shoebox or in a, in a, under a mattress in a shoebox and don't invest it. Don't trust banks because they're going to take your money. And, 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 and again, for me, like I was taught as a kid, like, hey, you know, when you get some money, put it, put it away in your closet, put it in your shoebox. Like, don't trust banks. Don't invest your money. Investing is gambling. And I believe that for so long. So, so much of my financial education journey was unlearning the bad advice that was given to me as a child, right? And if I can help the next black generation not have to learn these bad lessons, they only have half the battle to face when it comes to um, when it comes to uh, you know building financial literacy and building generational wealth. So, how do we debunk this myth? So, I'll just give you all a story about my sister. So. I think it was like three or four years ago, I go visit my sister, right? And I love my sister to death. She's like the, the most important person in the world to me. So if she hears this, I don't want to put her out, but this is true. So I went to her house like, you know, four years ago and <laughs> literally she, I, was, I, I said, let's uh, go, you know, I said, how much money you guys save? She's like about $10,000 or something. I'm like, all right, cool. Where's that? She's like, in, in a shoebox. I was like, what? She's like, you're, you're kidding, right? She's like, no, in the shoebox. So she, I said, show me. She literally went in her room and opened the shoebox to pour it on the ground, and it was literally ten thousand plus dollars in just cash in the shoebox. And I was like, "Chloe, why do you have this money just sitting in the shoebox?" She was like, "I don't know. I don't want to put it in no banks. I don't trust banks." And I and and I was like, "Okay." So me and her sat down for like an hour, hour and a half, and we had a really deep financial conversation. And I really educated her on the concept of inflation. And for those of you all that don't know. What inflation is, inflation is the concept of everything around us increasing in in price. So, again, you know, just to bring this point home, um, in 1960, right, 1960, if you had $100 in 1960, right, how much would that money be worth today? So $100 in 1960 today will only be worth about nine bucks, and what that means is that the cost of everything around us has increased so much that about 92% of the purchasing power over the last 50 years has been eroded, right? So we can kind of see this in grocery stores. Like back in the day, milk used to be like 50 cents. Now milk is like 350, right? Gas, right? Gas used to be, I remember when I was a shorty, like gas was like a dollar a gallon. Now I'm, I live in LA and it's $4 a gallon. So the price of everything around us goes up. And if we don't invest our money, our, our, the power of our money goes down. So literally, the average inflation rate is 3% a year. So the easy way to understand this is that every year, your money loses about 3% of its value. So I was telling my sister, like, how long have you had this money in your closet? She was like, about a year. And I was like, okay, so do you understand that every year, since again, this is $10,000, you know, you're going to lose about $300 a year by having this money sitting in your closet. So like you're, I know you might not see it, but you're literally losing. And let me just do my, make sure I do my math, right? 10,000 times 0 0.03. I'm sorry. Uh, 10,000 times 0 0.03. It's 300. Yeah. So like you're literally losing 300 bucks a year by having this money in your closet. And she had this huge epiphany and we literally took all this money, put it in the bank and then, you know, build, you know, put some of it in her, her, emergency fund, her emergency fund. Then we would put the rest in a Roth IRA. And now she's been investing. And now she has well over five figures in investments because, you know, I taught her the myth. I, I debunked the myth of that, like, don't trust banks, don't invest your money. 
And now she's literally making money in her sleep because her money is now invested. So again, guys, we need to get away from this notion of putting our money in, you know, in a shoebox under our mattress or even the thought of leaving it in a savings account, right? Because let me tell you a little secret, guys. You can't save yourself to wealth, right? You can't save yourself to wealth. And and I want to give you all examples to bring this point home, right? So let's 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 indulge indulge me in a little math formula right quick. So if you let's say you save $300 a month, right? And I think we went over this example in a previous episode, but I think it's great to go over it again. So let's say you save $300 a month for uh 40 years. So $300 a month for uh for, for you know every month for 40 years. So that's 12 months times 40. You ha- you would have saved you would have saved $144,000, right? $144,000. The way you do that, 300 times 12 times 40 is $144,000, which is cool, right? Like, you know, having $144,000 saved in the bank is okay. Now, let's say you invested that same $300 a month for 40 years. And, but, it's, you know, so instead of saving it, you're just investing it in the stock market at about a 10% uh, rate of return. You would now have, drum roll please, $1.1 million, right? So by literally investing $300 a month or $3,600 a year for 40 years, you would have made $1.1 million. So literally, you, 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 know, you, you could have one of two things. You could have $144,000 after 40 years or $1.1 million. And this is what I mean about you can't save yourself to wealth. Investing is a must. So you need to stop, you know, so you need to take your money out of your shoebox, out of your closet or out of your savings account and start investing, starting investing your money, guys. And again, if we do this as a black community, we will start seeing generational wealth among us become more abundant. And again, if you if you just take a few of these points home, if you take um, the point of you know, working smarter for your money. Once you get the money, make make it work for you and and understand the point of inflation and understand that you're losing money by keeping it uh, locked away in a, in a savings account or bank. If you understand these simple, simple financial literacy mantras, you'll be wealthy in no time. OK, so where are we at? Uh, myth, myth number three, myth number yeah, one, two, three. So let's move on to myth number four. Hey guys, I want to take a quick break from today's episode to tell you about my new online financial community called Pocket Advisor. So Pocket Advisor is an online financial network that gives you direct access to me and a dozen other financial experts. So you have me as your tax expert, you have real estate experts, stock experts, crypto experts, so many financial experts giving you the financial team of your dreams. And guess what? You get direct access to them right in your pocket. And you also get daily texts from us. You'll get weekly Q and A's. You get live financial workshops and classes. And best of all, you get monthly office hours where you can ask your specific questions and get them answered. So guys, if you want, if you want to learn more about pocket advisor, click the link in the show notes, you'll get access to all these amazing individuals, including myself for less than two dollars a day again so if you want to learn more about pocket advisor click the link in the show notes and you'll get more information there so without further ado let's get back into today's episode 
Okay, let's move on to myth number four. And I got to be honest, this is probably one of the myths that just irks me the most, right? For lack of better words, this myth really gets under my skin. And um, it's something that I think that we as a black community and me included, right? We just have to do better in. And that myth is that you don't have money unless you show it, right? The myth again is that you don't have money unless you show it. And what I mean by this is we as a black community have a tendency to show our money more than we save it. And showing, and what I mean by that, showing it in our clothes, showing it in our dress, showing it in our jewelry, showing it in our shoes, showing it in our cars. And, you know, we've just developed this habit of wearing and showing our money off. And it is really, it's really detrimental to us as people. And I get it, right? We, we come from slavery and we come from not having much. So we kind of have to, sh- you know, show, we, some of us feel like we have to show our money to um, circumvent the years of oppression. I get the whole mental psychology behind why we as black people tend to, sh- tend to show our money off so much. But guys, like, we can't keep using that as an excuse. We have to get better at understanding that real money, people with real wealth, they don't do that. They don't have to show their money because that is not a way of keeping it, right? If you spend all your money, if you spend your money showing it, you don't have much to keep. And, you know, guys, you've heard me say this mantra time and time again. It's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you keep. And, um, I did some research when I was planning for this podcast episode, and I found that the black purchasing power, meaning the purchasing power among black people in the United States in 2019 was $1.4 trillion. I'm going to say that again. The black buying power in 2019 in the United States was, in 2019, was $1.4 trillion. And just to bring some context to that, the that is higher than the gross domestic product or GDP of Mexico. So literally, the purchasing power among the black community in the United States is higher than the GDP of Mexico, which basically means that the black purchasing power is real. Right. And it's continuing to grow every single year. So we as black people really have a lot of control over the economy. So where we put our money has a huge effect on the outcome of the United States and other countries. So this is why, uh, and I love that 2021 and 2020, the mantra is, you know, let's buy black, right? So I've been making more of a, uh, of incentive to make sure my money is going to other black businesses. But what we also have to do is make sure that we're not just purchasing things to wear and to show off because um, I read a quote the other day and I hope I don't butcher it. It said, um, poor, it's just like poor money is, um, is that poor, you know, poor people buy, uh, poor people buy expenses, uh, middle income people uh, purchase liabilities and wealthy people purchase assets, right? So, and this is a quote from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? And we have to stop purchasing expenses and liabilities, right? 
you know, like the you know, two hundred dollar pairs of shoes, the you know, six hundred dollar pair of Yeezys, the you know, four hundred dollar you know, Ferragamo belt. And guys, I'm not saying that we don't deserve nice things. And I'm not saying that I don't get caught up in the minutia as well, right? As people, we earn money. We deserve to have uh, luxury items, but we have to get our ducks in the row um, first. We have to take care of our, you know, our savings, our investing. We have to buy assets before we buy liabilities. And if we do it right, if we buy enough assets, the assets will then be able to purchase our our, our luxury items, right? Our expenses, our liabilities, our you know, our nice cars. We need to buy assets first so that our assets can then buy our um you know our, our luxury items are the things that we desire so much and um again i always like to be transparent and candid with you all because i'm not better than anybody um so i want to share the story um because i was having a conversation with somebody on instagram about it so last month in january i purchased my first like luxury clothing item because i don't buy luxury like i think the thought of buying thousand dollar things is you know it, it, it makes my skin crawl but i bought a versace robe and the Versace robe was $641 after taxes. And, you know, some guy was like, hey, you know, you talk about all this financial stuff, but I saw a Versace robe in your background in one of your pictures, you know, like, you know, what's that about? And I was like, great point. And, you know, we had this conversation. I basically told him, like, I bought the Versace robe because I achieved a goal, right? And I really, you know, broke it down to this guy because I wanted him to, you know, know that what I'm saying is coming from the heart and what I, you know, I stand by my statements. So I set a goal in January and I said, if I make over $60,000 in January, I'll buy a Versace robe, right? I'm, I think it was in December. Yeah, I think as I said, if I make over $60,000 in December, I'll buy this Versace robe. I crushed that goal. And still, when I bought the robe, it still hurt because I knew that that $600 could have bought four shares of Apple, right? And But again, the, the robe didn't, the robe meant something bigger than me. The robe didn't mean that I can wear it and feel like I'm better than somebody or feel like I'm, you know, I'm that guy because I'm wearing Versace. The robe to me represents achieving a goal. So when I purchase luxury items, I attach a goal to it. And if I don't achieve that goal, I don't get the item. So this is how I make sure I take care of business first before I go buying luxury items. So now... Every time I put my Versace robe on, I think of, yo, you made $60,000 in December of 2020. Like, you you did that. Like, you know what I'm saying? You crushed that goal. And it gives me pride to wear it because of what it means to me. Now, the other person that sees it might say, like, you know, this guy spent $600 on a robe. And that's fine. My goal is not to make everybody happy. But I wanted to be candid with you all and let you know this is how I go about purchasing luxury items. And I feel like if more people, t- you know, took care of business first and p- purchased luxury goods later, especially in the black community, we'd be so much, so much, so much further. So um, that's myth number one. I really want to spend a little bit more time on that because one, I didn't want you all to think that I was coming from a place of like, I'm better than you all or, or anything like that because I don't like buying luxury items, right? We deserve luxury things, but we need to take care of business first and then buy those luxury goods second. So that is myth number four. So let's move on to myth number five, which is probably the my favorite of the five myths because, um, you know, I, I feel like this, this is something I'm really passionate about as well as everything else. But this is something I learned recently and has transformed my life 
in the past four years. So um, myth number five is the retirement myth. And what I mean by that is the myth of get a good job, work hard for 40 years and then go retire. Right. And again, I love being honest with you all. I believe this myth for the first 25 years of my life. Right. Um, for those of you that don't know, like my parents died at 16 years old, 14 and 16. So I had no parents at 16. So I played life really safe after that because I did not have a fallback plan. So I was beeline on the career of I became an accountant because it was a job with the lowest unemployment rate. I got a job at one of the big four accounting firms. I was going to put in my 40 years there and retire successfully and then do you know what the what the myth I was taught said. And then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, and it literally changed everything. And Guys, the only thing I want, and I'm not saying that getting a good job is not a good thing. And those of you all that are working and that are, you know, 15 years into your 40 year retirement plan, I'm not saying that the last 15 years of your life has been lived wrong. I'm just saying that there's more to life than working 40 years at a job that you don't like to retire at 65. First of all, if you're still alive. And, and second of all, what the hell are you going to do at 65 years old? Like how much fun are you really going to have at 65 sitting on a beach somewhere? You're old, right? And I don't believe that we should give up the best years of our lives for this day that may or may not come that then we can then rest, right? And I had a conversation with a friend. So um, a couple every year, my I go back to my old neighborhood in Chicago. We have a we have a um, we have a, a barbecue, right? And you know, one of the guys that and I was there, a childhood friend. He's he got a great job, you know, working at the airline. He's like, man, like all I got to do is work here thirty more years, and I'm straight. He was, I was like, what you say? He said, yeah, man, I, all, all I got to do is do a quick thirty year, thirty years here, and I'm straight. And my response was that, like, bro. There's no such thing as a quick 30. Like 30 years is 30 years. Like there is no such thing as a quick 30, bro. That's your life. And, you know, we got into you know, a deep conversation about it. And I'm just like, look, man, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, what you're saying is wrong. I'm just saying that you shouldn't give up the best 30 years of your life to, to live, what, 10, 15 years more. Like the average age of people is like 75, 80 years old. So you give up 30, 40 years to live a good 10 or 15 and, and, you know, it, he kind of understood. And I, and, and I say all this to say that it's bigger things to do in life than that. Like, I believe that you should, we should live the best years of our life while we're young. We should take risks. We should build businesses. We should follow our dreams. We should start that business of our dreams. We should build that product. We should build that service and then live the best years of our life right now. So for me, you know, the first 25 years, I was believing that. And then I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and, and, you know, I quit my job. And, you know, fast forward four and a half years later, here we are. And I'm living the best years of my life right now. I'm living my best life right now. And I want to encourage you all to do the same, right? You can do both. You can make great money. You can you can invest your money. You can um you know, you, you can buy assets, you can buy nice things, you can take vacations, you can do all that right now. Guys, I'm 29 years old, I travel three months out the year, I make over six figures, trying to go into seven figures this year, and I'm not saying that to brag, I'm letting you know that it's possible. If a kid from the South Side of Chicago who lost birth, both parents at 16 years old can live his best life at 29 years old, you can too. 
and and I'm sorry you know, to go on a, on a soliloquy there, but I'm sure you can see the passion I have in this statement because I want everybody to feel the feeling that I have right now, to, to live the best life that we can right now. And again, if I can do it, you can do it too. So that is the episode for today. And those are the five myths. So let's go uh, review the quick five right now. So myth number one is that money is the root of all evil. Myth number two is that the harder you work for money, the more you have. Myth number three is that save your money, don't invest it because investing is gambling. Myth number four is you don't have money unless you show it. If myth number five is the retirement myth of get a good job, work for 40 years, and then go retire. So I hope that you all enjoyed today's episode. I think it's a little bit longer episode. I think we're approaching, what, 30, 40 minutes. Um, I'm trying to keep them around 30 to 45 because I want to give you all more content. If you like these longer episodes, shoot me a DM on Instagram. Let me know that we, you know, we like more episodes. And guys, please, if you can, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating. And if we get over 100 five-star ratings by April 15th, We'll move on to three episodes a month. And the thought of three episodes a month scares the hell out of me. But if you all commit, I will commit too. Because this is for you. Like This is a free podcast. I come on here to give you all education again because you will deserve it. I love the fact that you all even listen to me talk this long. And I'm hoping to give you all more value in the future. So that's today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Go check out the show notes for the links. And I'll see you all next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you got any value at all, all I ask is that you leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform that you're listening on. You can also check us out at cofieldsconcepts.com for more resources and other podcast episodes. Lastly, you can follow me at cofield underscore advisor, where I'm always giving free tips and more game on how to live tax-free, own your own business, and get to financial freedom. (laughs) All right, guys. See you all next time.